Welcome to episode five of the Brace Yourself podcast. Welcome to episode five, guys. Uh, going to be the best week ever. Come on. Why listen, are you excited, Harley? Why are you excited? Yeah, I did have a moment earlier when I sat down and thought, why did I pick this season to decide I wanted to try and do a football podcast? Why this year? I should have done it last season where we finished in a respectable position, which is definitely not going to happen this year. And that's not yeah. me being hyperbolic or overreacting. I think obviously Man United have sent a clear message out about how they intend to go on, I guess. But we're here to review the antics of the weekend. We said there would we thought we would be all drama out, and that's definitely not the case. Uh, there was lots of drama this weekend. Um, I think we should start. We just have to go in with no, because that's Oz- what they're expecting. Let's let's go. Oh, but match of the day always starts with the most exciting game, right? Well, I suppose we have to start seven two Liverpool then. Really, yeah, exactly. That's where we need to begin. So, the most important thing to remember here is I am very thankful to Liverpool <laughs> for taking some of the humiliation out of the, the Man United game. Well, but, I think, well, I think it does. And I think there's one clear fact. We were terrible, deserved to lose, were embarrassed. That's, yeah. that's very clear and evident. But at least we had 10 men. At least we had 10 men. At least someone was yeah. actually off the pitch. They got beat 7-2 by Aston Villa and they had everyone in the start 11. Okay, look, I know Alisson was injured or couldn't play or whatever, yeah. but there's no fluke. I know I saw some Liverpool fans saying, oh, three of the goals were lucky deflections. Yeah, they were. But guess what? Villa got into the position yeah, where they could striking. deflect something in. They were all over Liverpool. Liverpool... Nothing yeah. going for them. You know what? It, it didn't reek of a game of tactics, and I think it's quite uh, similar in the United game. Before it turned into... Tottenham battering us, it was end-to-end until Martial got sent off. It was very much like that throughout the entirety of the Liverpool-Villa game. Villa were class. Ollie yeah. Watkins was class. So good. Grealish was awesome. <laughs> well, all I love is that our mate Richard tries to shit-stir amongst us by saying, oh, look at that, the Tottenham Man United game. And premature like... shushulation, premature <laughs> celebration, it's rookie he era. Did. Now, to be fair, he did back out at like the last minute. He was like, let me just hold my cards real quick. And I was like, no, that's the biggest move you could have made right now. Yeah, honestly. Look, I think last season, Adrian had some good performances in a Liverpool shirt. Yeah. That, that was a bad performance. Was- to be honest, it was a bad performance from every Liverpool player, bar Mo Salah. And thank you, Salah because you managed to scrape me winning at least something this week, which was the fancy Premier League point total. You may have captured Son, but I'm a glutton for punishment, (laughs) and I put Harry Kane and Son into my team thinking, well, if United lose, I'll probably get points. Well, United did lose, and I got points. That's that's betting against your team, right? That's something you said you'd never do. No, I couldn't risk the transfer, otherwise (laughs) I would have done it, you see. (laughs) My hands were tied. I'm still sitting here across from Ian, through a screen because we're in a pandemic podcast in a Manchester United shirt and I feel like fucking shit. That, that's, that's the, that is just the truth. No, all right. Look, there's no way we're not going to dance around the subject anymore. I tried to not go straight in, but we might. No, no. Talk we're, 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 talk, we're, talk, we're talk about uh, Liverpool a little bit more because I, I think there is something to be said there. And I, I was part of that group chat with Richard and I, and I did say, you know, United's folly was that they're terrible at defending and we played badly. We were just not good. Liverpool reeked of complacency again, again, every week. Champions curse is what I've written down and passed to you. And that's Mm. what it is because the hardest thing to do is to retain the Premier League. 
right? Yeah. A couple of teams have done it. United have done it. Chelsea have done it. City have done it. But it's hard to do that. And I still see, even though they've had some sloppy mistakes in the last couple of weeks, I still see that complacency, that swagger, that entitlement in Van Dyke and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah. They're just, yeah. You've The problem is, I think, when you win so young, you think you're the hottest piece of shit in the world, basically, yeah. is what you think. You're like, yeah, no one can touch me. <laughs> really, that's, there's your reality check. And by the way, Liverpool, Everton look class. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, that would be the worst way. You Imagine win the Premier League have... and then the following <laughs> season, Everton win it. When no one, no one thought they would get anywhere near it. I mean, yeah, because I mean, the truth of the fact is when you've won this next season, you come back, you should train twice as hard because everyone's going to want to beat you. Everyone's going to want to prove a point. But I, think I, maybe... I totally agree. And I think where you were saying, you know, Salah was the only one who kind of performed. And I think he's just used to that difference of like scale, isn't he? You know, going to play for Egypt versus playing for Liverpool are two totally different things to him. And like he just stepped up, put the goal in. You could see the anger in his face. That just pick up the ball and walk away. It was just like, I feel for you, man. You're the only one out there trying. Uh, I think I read somewhere that that was Jurgen Klopp's biggest defeat as a manager. Oh, I think the only one before that, I think they lost six. He, when he was uh, Mines manager, he lost six yeah. one. That was it. Tough, 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 tough. I, I don't know if he expected everyone to go, wow, Liverpool were awesome last season. Let's just bow down and let them win the Premier League. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think City are going to be anywhere near it. I don't think United well, I mean, are they, even... They blew it against Leeds, didn't they? I don't even think United are going to get top six. I think Tottenham look awesome at the moment. As, you know, doesn't Where did pay that me, come from? You know it, what I mean? It, it doesn't pay me to say that. Mourinho played it so well he said son was injured so ollie didn't prepare for son and then yeah. he was like by the way son's here and i could see it <laughs> in in the pre-match i could see him smugly having a wry smile to himself and i was like oh yeah. fuck son, son's fit <laughs> it's difficult we'll talk about ollie's folly i think Mourinho did everything he had to he tactically outmaneuvered ollie united looked really sharp at the start won that penalty put it away i was like okay good great start then Individual errors are what really cost United on the yeah. day. Then combined with Ollie's poor decision-making at halftime. I'll talk about it from Man United's perspective and then you can talk about it from Tottenham's perspective. But it was, sure. it was a humiliation. It was very tough to watch, but I did watch it. I did leave the room um to watch it on my own because i was like this is not going to be enjoyable for my uh, part at what point how many goals three i, I said if it goes to three one i'm going because martial had been sent <laughs> off by that point yeah. initially harry Maguire is his head's clearly gone his head's in greece still he's not thinking he's not reacting he's not the best defender in the world but he is better than that he caused both the first goals with his poor decision making one when he fouled harry kane and allowed him to play a quick pass you know that if you do a foul like that and they look to do a quick pass you stand over the man so they can't make the pass it's as simple as that his header back to De, uh, to De Gea was awful that's like some fifa input delay dodgy goal stuff that's like oh no i've definitely headed it back and they tap it in it doesn't happen in real yeah. life especially someone who's known for their aerial game and their heading oh. ability, I think, well, actually, I will say, Kane, uh, not Kane, sorry, Harry Maguire was responsible for four of the goals. Very poor uh, defensive awareness and positioning. Just 
a shambles. He's our captain, and there's quite an interesting argument going on in the United fan base at the moment that Bruno Fernandes should actually be the captain because he actually has the fire, the willingness, mm, and the drive to yeah. win. I'll come back to that. Now, Martial's red card, I messaged you and I said, listen, there's no PR spin, there's no spin doctor. United deserve to lose. But, and I know what you're rolling your eyes trying to say that, but listen, if that is a red card, then Lamella has to go as well. It's as, it's as simple as I that mean, for me. I, I, I said it straight back to you. I totally agree. Like, but look, what Lamella's doing is he's trying to stir. And Mark, like, I know we always say... That wasn't you know, trying to stir. That was going for the Emmy. That was going, <laughs> yeah. for the, going for the Academy Award. That was. I was like, but he's barely is, touching. He's like, ah! Oh. Yeah, but Lamella yeah, had been causing so much trouble before that. I can't, I can't remember what point, but he was just chasing everyone down, like just literally harassing everyone. So he was just stepping up and stepping it up, and that was where he took it to. But Martial lashing back, like, if you lash back, it's all on you. Oh, and it's we red. Were, we were taught, yeah, we were taught that, you know, you're taught that from, like, age whatever. Like, whoever... Does the hit back is the one who gets in trouble. The thing is, he's um, got that that Morpie blood, and he that that yeah. French temperament of you know you can t- all of a sudden you can erupt. And mm. yeah, look, Martial will suffer the consequences of that because he's going to be banned for three games now. And Edison Cavani's come in, and now he's going to start. Maybe he pushes Martial out of the team if he does well. I doubt it very much because he needs to use WD forty on his joints to get them going again. <laughs> but like I said to you, if Martial has to go. That's what VAR should be for, right? Well, ha- Lamella's elbowed him in the face. He's hit him back. They both go to red. The game carries on 10 men each. As soon as we went down to 10 men, I was like, that's it. This United team don't have the resolve. I even turned to my partner. I said, right, it's time to shut up shop. You've got to make defensive changes now. Bring, def- bring, bring more defenders on. Limit damage, damage limitation. We didn't do that. Ollie didn't do that. We went to the halftime breakdown. Uh, was it 4-1 or 3-1? I can't remember. Either way, I think it was 4-1 at halftime. He brought on Scott McTominay and Fred and took Bruno Fernandes off. And everyone was like, what? And left Paul Pogba on. That was even more shocking. Yeah. Pogba was awful, this game. I was saying to a couple of other United fans, and obviously this was all amplified because we had deadline day the next day. We hadn't made any of our priority signings and we didn't make any of our priority signings, even in the the backlash from this game. Warning there. Oli has to reward good form and punish bad form. And he doesn't do that as a manager. Baseline of any great manager is that no matter how big the profile, if the player is playing poorly, they don't play. Mm. Maguire needs to be benched. Pogba needs to be benched. In terms of lineup, if you have to change the formation to incorporate incorporate that, then you have to do that because there's no point in putting those players out every week and losing games because of their price tag, because of their status, because of whatever, because of their agents putting pressure on you. Pogba was responsible for two of the goals, a needless foul, which gave Harry Kane a penalty. And I mean, that is a really bad penalty to give yeah. away. And also he allowed Serge Aurier to just bomb past him. He went to the left wing, Pogba, who jogs around the pitch. I'm sorry, it's a shambles. I, I feel I felt the frustrations of players that are like, I should deserve to start instead of these players. Now, yeah, we don't we have a centre back issue. There is no centre back available. I understand that, right? So I guess it's gonna have to be Lindelof and Bailly because you can't play Harry Maguire. You can't play him at the moment. He's terrible. And the only way you could play him is if you play a back five. And if you play a back five against Newcastle, that's fucking embarrassing. So, yeah, I mean, like, 
as we'll probably find out in the sort of uh, transfer window section, how are you going to fix it? I mean, from the transfers, it doesn't look like you'll fix it. It's nothing. Situation. That's, what, that's what I'm talking about here. And I knew I was going to go off about United today because I had to, because I, this is the reaction that the board should have and the manager should have. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, as much as I want to be Oli in, is making me veer towards Oli out. Not because of the tools in his disposal. If I look at his workbench and go, well, hang on, you haven't got the tools to do the work here. Fine. You can't yeah. do it. But if you're not even trying with those tools, misusing those tools and trying to, I don't know, cut paper with a chisel, it's pointless. It's so the only way, there's two, there's two options Man United have. They have a do away with wingers because we don't have a right winger. Do away with wingers and pay a, a, a diamond pivot. Play yeah. Matic at the bottom of the diamond, Van der Beek and Pogba and Bruno and then two strikers, Cavani and Martial and Rashford has to take the brunt of other people's mistakes. Or... You bench Pogba, you play Donny van der Beek instead of Pogba, you bench Maguire, you play Victor Lindelof instead of Maguire, you play Alex Tellez, which is obviously a quality signing at left-back, or you play Luke Shaw at left-centre-back. Those are your options. I think maybe you also have to try and give Dean Henderson a shouting goal, because while Tottenham's goals were all great, De Gea did not react to two of them the way he should have. You know, he didn't come off his line... But this, by this point, I think it was over. Like, it's that demoralisation of losing, the, you know, the 11th man. It's after goal, after goal. And I think the fight has just gone out of them. And I don't think the fight was even really there to begin with. Like, when, we all, when the game started, it was like, oh, it's a kickabout. Let's, let's get into it. And then as soon as, it, like, a few goals went in, the game was done. And again, I hate a game where a man is sent off because it completely changes the game. You know, the game's over by that point. Everyone knows that. It's only great to see a 10-man squad come back and win. That's all you ever want to see. Oh, so I hate yeah. someone sent off. Uh, look, I, I, if, I don't know how many stages of grief there are, but I'm at the acceptance point <laughs> at this point. And that's coupled with the stuff we'll talk about with the transfers. Oh, yeah, well, uh, things uh, your acceptance are uh, laying a bit then. Yeah, my, yeah. By your, means. No, look, I'm not going to, because at the end of the day, like we said, when it comes to a team winning, all you can really do is go, we won. Like, we looked great out there. We were efficient. Harry Kane, again, the game man, you know, the game maker, like the playmaker, just doing everything on the pitch that he can. Like you said, Sun's secret weapon, great idea. Let's say he's injured. Let's bring him on. You know, you're not ready for it. I mean, I don't think we got a full feel of how Spurs not, to be insulting, but do against the competition because you weren't you weren't putting up a fight and like in those first few minutes you were and we gave away a penalty and it shows that we're lacking slightly. But then after that point, oh, it was and, just go on until, the pitch and finish. Until the tenth, until until we went down to ten men, United were actually playing some okay football and you guys exactly. were shrinking back and soaking it up and we were shrinking back and soaking up mm. when you pressed. But like you said, it killed the game. But you can't excuse that at the end of the day. You know, even though the game is over, Ollie should know, right, well, this is about damage limitation now, not... Yeah. You know, because no, of course. every goal that goes in is going to demoralise the players more and more and more. And I think he's probably lost the dressing room already. He, they, they don't look like a... a they don't look galvanised. They don't look harmonious. They don't look like they want to play as a unit. There looks like there's some friction like they did at Spurs last mm-hmm. season. When, you, you know, no one has to say anything, but you can clearly see there's an issue somewhere. This is the thing, you just got to figure that out. And at least you're getting it at the start of the season. We've got it through the middle of the season, you know? Look, so maybe we can fix it. Maybe. Look, there's a two-week international break now. I'm hoping that they go away and do some serious thinking yeah. with themselves in the mirror. And if Oli Gunnar Solskjaer wants to save his job, I'll, I'll make a prediction today here on the podcast and we can review it at the end of the season. 
if Ollie doesn't make those changes, I said, and not because I am gospel, but anyone with a footballing brain can see that's what you must do. If Ollie doesn't do that, bows to the pressure of players, to the profile of players, he will lose his job by Nova- at the end of November because United have got an incredibly hard run of games. Newcastle, fine. That's the easy one. But if you don't win that, you're in even more trouble. Then we've got Arsenal, Chelsea, Everton, PSG. I mean, I'm just going to say Newcastle ain't an easy game. Well, no, but exactly. <laughs> so you have to win that game or yeah. you're, at the, you're, you're at the top of the, the slippery slope and it's just down from there, mate. Because... Well, even on deadline day, there was rumours and little stories started to leak out from United's side about Pochettino. Pochettino, yeah. Pochettino, Pochettino. So he's got it all to do. And I feel very sorry for him. He does. He, he has a lot on his shoulders. Um, and I guess I guess the only final point I really have on the Spurs front is it's great to see us actually, you know, converting, actually finishing. Because, I mean, you know, we had the 7-2 win over Masid as well. Like, we're not a team that puts away goal after goal after goal. And to actually see us wanting to finish and doing that was great. I mean, it's like what I always compare Spurs to England quite a lot because one, they're fundamentally the same team at times, but England never convert. You know, they're never going to go on a rampage like that. So it was nice to see that sort of just goal scoring uh, relentlessness. Again, I apologise. It was against your team. Ah, don't Rob- apologise, mate. If it, um, if it was me, if United beat you, beat you 6-1, I'd have rubbed it in your face. You know I would. So that's just the ebb and flow of football. Yeah, I'm just being the better person here. You'd be the better person, mate. I'll be the bitter person. Don't worry about that. In terms of Spurs, that's what you were like under Pochettino, at the height of Pochettino. You know? Oh, 100%. So if but can we finish that? But this is the thing. Can we finish? Can we win stuff? That's, I think that's, that's always been the thing with... If Spurs. you can get the play style you had with Pochettino under Mourinho, yeah. I think Mourinho is the profile and experience of a manager that can probably win you a trophy. Do I think you're going to win the Premier League? You could win it this season because it seems like it's a little bit open. It's early doors. It's way too yeah, early. it's way too early. It's been put in I could way. see you winning Europa League. I could see you winning the Carabao Cup. Yeah, because like I mean, that. like... You know, Mourinho has that aggression that Pochettino lacks. Pochettino is such like a big white play kind of guy. Like he's going to let the team be cohesive. And I guess that is what Mourinho was trying to do last year, was just seed all of that. And I think as you've explained in the All or Nothing documentary, it's very obvious he's trying to get at that sort of core. Which, uh, as I stated at the beginning, in like week zero, I wasn't here for it. I didn't want to see that kind of football. But if it's going to deliver these kinds of results and bring the team together, then yeah, man, I was wrong. Maybe Mourinho knows what he's doing and he's going to get the job done. Maybe. Look, remember, I said this to you as well on the podcast. Mourinho won United two trophies. Exactly. And we had very poor teams that won those trophies. So it can be done. And that's not because your team's poor. But what I mean is Mourinho does win. He is a successful manager. And yeah, he might be getting close to being passed to it. But if you get the last couple of good years out of him, you might profit immensely from it. Very true. Well, I guess we've covered uh, those two games. We knew knew that the United... I knew the United game was going to be a big talk. Of course. It had to be because it's our two teams. It's as simple as that. But I think the thing is, we're we're still not over it. So I think we kind of need to... Let's let's talk about some other teams because I definitely know we're going to bounce back because someone's going to come out and we're going to keep bringing it around. The only only other thing I have to say about the United game is transfer. So we'll get on to that later. Exactly. uh, Let's move on to the Mighty Irons. West Ham, again... Where did that come from? Well, we said it. We said it in our match prediction. I think I, I said it. Did. I said they should lose this game on paper, so they'll win it. And then they'll go and lose 
to West Brom. That's just the way West yeah, Ham are. But you, you say it, but you don't expect it. You're like, oh, there's a little bit of hope. I hope this happens. And then... I, I, I can't believe they beat him 3-0. I genuinely can't believe they beat Leicester, who just beat City 5-2. I think, again, this just underlines the there's no home advantage. The home mm. advantage does not exist. Yeah, Tottenham might have come and beat us at Old Trafford, but it doesn't matter. You know, you might go, West Ham went and beat Leicester at the King Power. It doesn't matter. There's no fans. Yeah. So it's literally whatever, whatever team wants it more in the day. I will say West Ham looked class. They did look really good. It is. It's so funny in a way, I guess, that they're doing it without their manager in the stadium. I think that even <laughs> is even funnier. Moyes is there via Skype going like, get up. Yeah. <laughs> that's mental. And Brendan Rodgers just... must be like, I've just been beaten by a manager that's not even <laughs> in the stadium. He's not even but, in the fucking stadium. But I guess that just talks to like team cohesion, team communication, like, and Moyes, you know, uh, respect for the rest of his coaches. Like, that's what that is. That's a team that's built as a team. And that's what you want to see. And maybe that's why they're outdoing people. Because I think we did, this is what we said at the beginning, this kind of, we said, oh, you know, it's going to be spread across the board. It's going to be a bit more like individuals playing because teams are going to rotate so much. Because there's such a, emphasis on attacking and i mean this weekend proves it again the amount of goals is just ridiculous it is crazy there's such an impression on that kind of stuff i think i think absences are going to play uh, an effect either way i think moise's absence Mm. probably galvanized and motivated the west ham players to want to perform without their manager yeah prove Mm. that yeah they can do it and because the pressure will only then Everyone will be looking at them and going, well, it's your fault because Moyes wasn't there. We can't blame the manager on the day. You know his tactics. You know what he's related to. You have to perform. I think that coupled with, you know, look, Sadio Mane is missing from Liverpool starting 11 and suddenly they can't score as much. And it's, it's, yeah. all, about, it's all about that team co- cohesion. And I think absences will play a negative and positive, positive effect for various different teams around the league. Yeah. But Antonio looked awesome. Again, so class. Nice. I'm going to just have to be honest with you here. So I have a very soft spot for West Ham at the moment because I'm playing as them on FIFA. So I'm just like nerding out every time they're there. I just think they're looking good. Listen, I used used to know some West Ham fans. I used to work with a lot of West Ham fans when I did recruitment. Oh, trust me, they're... (laughs) Listen, West Ham, they're always the underdogs, but they're so loud. Sometimes you don't want to root for them. That's that's the problem I have with West Ham. And also that they have this huge stadium that they really shouldn't have, which I know is going to sound crazy, but they shouldn't. I liked Upton Park. I thought it was a better stadium, better atmosphere. And I feel a lot of, a lot of Hammers fans do feel that way. You know, I think they, they miss the, the nitty gritty grassroots environment that Upton, Upton Park had. Whereas now they're in like this weird transitional phase where they kind of want to do what Everton's doing but they don't re- their, their owners don't want to spend. And as yeah. much as I see like hashtag Glazers out for United and stuff, I always see hashtag gold out, hashtag DBS out on, uh, on Twitter as well. So I know mm. West Ham fans aren't happy and it's really, really damning if they're still not happy, even though they're getting great results like that at the start of the season. You know, so there's really a, like a cultural thing there that I think is, is, is wrong, but it's great to see them, and Moyes gets some results on the pitch. And look, maybe Moyes could have done it at United. Who knows? He was qu- he was class at Everton uh, for ten. Really, yeah, he was class at Everton for ten seasons, Moyes. Uh, Moyes. And but again, he was always very good at finishing them in a steady position. So, I think maybe Ancelotti is going to be the one to elevate Everton. 
which is a nice transition there. To, there we uh, go. He's found it. I was trying to find one to get us onto Chelsea, but let's do Everton instead. Uh, well, well, Chelsea's <laughs> game is very clean cut, but I think Everton's uh, a good game to examine the title contenders argument, which I never yeah. thought saying at the start of the season, but four out of four they've won. Top of the league. I will say, just as an honourable mention for Brighton, Asuma's goal was class. Oh, it's quite it's good. Wow, what a goal that was. Everton just looked like a unit that's completely entrenched in what the manager wants them to do on the pitch. Every week they deliver the same thing over yeah. and over again. And they're attacking. Their attacking play is phenomenal. Defensively, mm. they are vulnerable and not because of well, individual we're about errors. This every single team, though, the defense is just. <sighs> yeah. It just needs to be tighter. Like, you shouldn't. If you're finishing. Game should be finishing at 4 2. It should be 2 0. Like, I don't know why yeah. there's not this emphasis on the defensive side of stuff. I think the issue with Everton's defense is not actually complacency or attacking. Mm intent I think the issue is that the ability is lacking especially in their centre-back partnership now obviously Everton have just bought Ben Godfrey from Norwich who is going to improve their back line their wing backs are great I think it's their centre-back partnership and also I never thought I would do this because Jordan Pickford's kind of had like a free pass in my eyes since ever since he saved that World (laughs) Cup penalty and won us our first ever penalty shootout I'll always have a soft spot for him because of that but he needs to stop making mistakes Every single game, I see Jordan Pickford, England's number one, making terrible, terrible mistakes. But isn't that a hallmark of an England keeper? Yeah, but Nick, look, Nick Pope at the moment is making a better argument to be England's number one, and he just conceded sure. uh, three against Newcastle. But there's nothing he could do about those goals because those goals oh. were class. The first Brighton goal by Morpai was the scrappiest FIFA goal I've ever seen. Pickford. <laughs> I don't know. Look, I know that it was raining and there was weather, but he should know. Someone yeah. said it actually makes goalie gloves stickier when there's rain. So if anything, the ball shouldn't bounce away. He knows he keeps making mistakes because of the way he reacted. He kicked the goalpost in frustration. He was angry. Yeah. I think he's got one season at Everton. I think they're going to move him on. He keeps making too many errors. They paid £30 million for him. Um, while I rate Pickford as a shot stopper, He's too small to be a goalie in my eyes. And I think, unfortunately, yeah. that's becoming more and more evident because it makes you susceptible to free kicks, long-distance shots, chips, everything. You know, one-on-one, he's a fantastic shot stopper and he does a great job. But yeah. it always seems to be a long shot or a scrappy goal that he scores. That's it. But I think I think that is, like I just said, that's just a hallmark of an England keeper. We love those kind of dramatic dive moments. Just take... Um... You know, Joe Hart's first little run out at... Um, oh, don't mention that Spurs. name here. I'm doing the cross. <laughs> Heavenly Father, please repent, repent. But every, everything's got to look good. It's got to be a big dive. It's got to be the moment. And I think that's just something that, I don't know, is in English keepers. Don't do it for the cameras. Do it for yourself. It's as simple as that. You know, yeah, exactly. Do you want to be a good goalkeeper like Hugo Lloris? Or do you want to be a Joe Hart where you marauder out and cost your team goals because you think, oh, I'm such a a ninja between the sticks. I'm going to save everything. No, it's it's foolish and it's irritating and it's worrying with the Euros looming where we've got, oh, a classic case of, oh, what's that? A championship looming and suddenly all of our goalkeepers are making mistakes again. Great. Well, let's we'll bounce to uh, the Newcastle game then. We, we, we will bounce to it, but I just briefly want to say about Everton. 
And I wanted to speak about Pickford in particular because, you know, all of Everton were, Everton were class and it's in particular James Rodriguez was very, very good and continues to defy most people's expectations about mm. could he do it in the Premier League when he came. They play Liverpool next. Pickford cannot make a mistake. No. Because if they beat Liverpool... That's the Premier League what burst wide open, in my opinion. Right? Yeah. yeah, Liverpool have had a little setback right now, but they're going to bounce back. They're going to be angered by that result, and they're going to batter yeah. it. They're going to want to batter the next team they play. Now, yeah, the, the Merseyside derby is usually the great nullifier. It's usually nil-nil, one-nil, whatever. However, Everton are in a prime position to go, we are the noisy neighbours. We're very fucking noisy. Call the police. We don't care. Mm. And if they have Pickford make mistakes like that, it could cost them. Maybe you play your second goalkeeper for that game. Just give Pickford a little bit of a reality check. I don't know. But he can't, with like the likes of Salah, Firmino, Mane, all coming to pepper at him. Yeah. He can't make those mistakes. You know, Morpai, fine. Aaron Connolly, fine. It's, it's different, isn't it? It's just as simple as that. And, you know, I, I can't believe he kept a clean sheet against Tottenham, considering how much they you know, peppered the hair over the weekend. But that's what he needs to be. That, that's the, yeah. that's just the last, the last point in Everton. They're in like a very, very crucial part of this season. Because I well, think yeah, if, no, they, I mean, if they beat Liverpool, I think European football is, is guaranteed, in my opinion. Because the, the, the positive motivation and uh, morale boost it will give, they'll just keep doing it. Yeah, I definitely think, um, you know, week five is going to be the interesting one. Because, you know, Man City have messed up. Are they going to continue on that path? If they continue on that path, then, like you say, it is wide open, especially if Everton beat Liverpool, because that's the two big number twos heading down and not looking confident. So hopefully we'll see what happens and see if Leicester bounce back and see, are they going to continue with their sort of winning run or are they going to, or was that it? Was it a little fluke to begin with? I just got this feeling that this season, the Premier League, we all thought it was going to be like a really high tier race. I actually don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be very similar to the time Leicester won the league in 2015, 2016. I think there's going to be a couple of dogs at the top, well, a couple of two teams at the top and everyone else is sort of just like beating each other, scalping each other, being shocked. That's, that's what it feels like to me because look, let's talk about Man City I watched the Man City game and yeah, I was loving it. I was loving it before Man United lost. Of course I was. I still love it a little bit because I like to watch Man City squirm. When, when you, we're early doors, right? So everyone's like, oh my yeah. God, United have only got three points out of, out of the first three games. Well, Man City have only got four points out of the first three games. Liverpool, yeah, that's fine. They've got nine points. They, they, they can take a loss. It's, it's a very perplexing season. Leeds played fantastic football. They dug yeah. in, they were indignant, they played good attack- attacking football, and at times, they outclassed City. That, that's, that's the crazy thing. I, think, yeah. I, don't, I don't think Pep's lost the dressing room. I just think they're reflective of their manager. And because of his personal turmoil that's going on at the moment, and it, I think he's a very broken man right now because of what's going yeah. on in his personal life. And I just don't think he's inspiring them like he would. I think they, no. have, a, I think they have a striker issue. I think they don't have an out-and-out striker because Aguero's injured. I don't think Jesus is good enough. Well, I think I think Sterling proved that. Like every time he got in the box, he'd just go himself. He wasn't looking to team play it. He was just running it in. And I mean, uh, yeah, his 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 goal was class. I'd love to see him do that in England shirt. Surprise! surprise never going to happen. Never gonna we happen. will never see that, Sterling. But also, they, I think they have a left back problem. Yeah, Ben Mendy looks class when he first came, but after that injury, he's never looked the same. 
Defensively, they're fragile. They just bought that Ruben Diaz for sixty-five million pounds, and did he really do much? Did he do? Did he do that much? Well, I mean, and look to credit Leeds as well. I think Leeds are really figuring out the league. Like that's what they're doing. Because if you compare the Man City game to when Leeds played Fulham, they knew how Fulham played, and they went and they played very much what I'd call park football. You're on your man twenty-four-seven. You hit hard. And you, you take harder hits, and that's how it plays. Whereas against City, they were learning, we've got to move the ball, we've got to close down as quickly as possible, looking at the four threes and all that kind of stuff. I think they're slowly figuring it out, and they're just not getting it in that final moment, which again happened to them at Man City. Like They have the game in hand, and it goes, it goes wrong, but they're never out of the fight. And I think very slowly they're going to figure this league out. Uh, it may take us them to the halfway point once they've played every team or whatever, but I think Leeds, we've got to watch out for They look, They look very good. Yeah, I think Leeds are great, and I, I would agree. I think Bielsa, and Bielsa Ball was hearing him, I think he is probably the template or the archetype of how managers should be approaching each game in the Premier League. I think you're right. I think he is tailoring his, his tactics to the opponent. Yeah, he knew he could go balls to the wall against Fulham because they're a championship side, and in the championship, sometimes it is you have to outscore your opponent because you play that park football, as you said, whereas with City, he knew that if he sat back, defended well, and burst forward on the break, they could take advantage of it. And also, they played some really good pressing football in the park and dispossessed City a lot, which I was shocked about. I'll tell you what I took great pleasure in, and there was very little I took pleasure in this weekend, but i tell you what, watching De Bruyne's frustration and watching Liverpool's new 7-2, yeah. yeah, it didn't make me feel good, but it took a little bit of the hurt away because De Bruyne looks like he's had enough at City. Yeah, for sure. I think Pep's gone, end of season. I don't think they'll sack him. I think he walks. I think they will finish quite poorly. I know we've got this two-week reset. Who knows? We might see City yeah, absolutely bounce. Change. We, we might see them bounce back, but is this two-week break going to change that much? I hope so, for United's sake. I hope they do, but I think a lot of teams, people think, oh, two-week break, you can go away, you can take your mind off it. The, pl- the teams that lost won't, or the teams yeah. that underperformed won't because it will fester. It's like gangrene. It festers and it gets worse. And then eventually you have to amputate. And I know from my mentality that if I had to go away for two weeks after underperforming, during to Leeds, losing 6-1, whatever, you wouldn't be like, oh, I can't wait for the next game. You'd be worried about it because you're like, yeah. is, this, is it going to be as bad as last time? There's too much pressure. Can we cope? So... I think you'll see Leeds. I see you see Leeds blossom off the back of it. Yeah, they've got that positive momentum. They took a point of City. I will talk about a little bit of agginess between the two managers, which I quite enjoyed. (laughs) Pep before the game was saying how he'd seen certain things in Bielsa's style of football that he wanted, that he took and was inspired by, and they were asking Bielsa about that in the the pre-match, and he was like, "I don't see any." any tactics he's taken from my football at all, which a lot of people was like, oh, fair enough. But I think that was a fucking shady move. And I loved it. <laughs> you know, just because you say you're a disciple of, of God doesn't mean that you yeah, embody, yeah. you know, whatever God's ethos is. You know, Bielsa, Pep might think so, but Bielsa, no, you're wrong. I don't play football mm. that way. I know Pep was rattled at the end. I don't know if you saw the post-match interview with him. They were, no, asking, they were asking about post-match evaluation, whether they thought they went wrong. And Pep was like, well, if Bielsa can do it in a minute, that's his prerogative, essentially. But I can't mm-hmm. do it. I can't do it like that. And I was like, yeah, okay, you're rattled. You are <laughs> rattled. And we saw Klopp get rattled. And it's yeah. not, you know, 
should managers be getting rattled three games in? No, there's a long way to go. In 35 games time, City, you might be second and Leeds might be second from the bottom. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, but I, th- I, think, I think it's going to be a big, weird season. I know we always say every game's important, but I think now especially, because you don't, like, you know, as Liverpool proved, they didn't know if they were going to have Sane or not, and they lost him, and look what's happened. If they lose him again, or if, say, Salah has to be taken out of the situation, we just don't know how the season's going to go, and I think every manager is putting huge amounts of pressure on themselves, like every game has to be the one, you know, because we could lose X, Y, Z in, like, an instant, and we won't have him for two weeks, three weeks, whatever. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this season's always going to be like last season, though, in a way. It's going to have that asterisk above it where it's going to be like, well, you won it. Everton could win the league and be like, and everyone would be like, yeah, okay, well, it was a pandemic, though, Everton. Yeah, it was the COVID season. Yeah, don't count. Yeah, and I'm sure Liverpool fans would be saying that as well. You know, well, for 80% of the game, we had fans, but (laughs) you know, 20% we didn't, but for 80% we did. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting year of football. I think when push comes to shove, you're going to have to see who wants it more on the pitch. It's as simple as that. And who, and what manager really understands the tactics of the game and isn't carried by the player on the pitch. Sure. So any other standout games for you, or have you got an MVP, favorite game, worst game? Never guess which one. I will give an honorable mention to Chelsea. I won't talk too much about it because it was very clean cut. Chelsea were just the better team. Ben Chilwell had a great debut. That's what I would say. Yes, he scored mm. a scrappy goal. It doesn't matter. Defenders aren't supposed to score goals, and he did on his oh. debut. And he got an assist. Really good from Chelsea. Very careless at the back. Crystal Palace did their classic uh, pivot U-turn, which we all predicted, yeah. which is they started really well. They beat us. Um, they took. They won their second game, and they lost one game, and their heads dropped. That, that's that's just the Palace For way. Sure. Yeah, I think I think Chelsea did really well to bounce back. I oh, one hundred percent. They had to. They had to. You know, and and that's what. City and United need to look to and go right that's, that's what we need to do Yeah, Chelsea played great attacking football will they be able to play that against the top six probably not no but it's about winning all the games you can not, not just we have to For win sure. every game in terms of best goal of the weekend oh it's tough I think the Sumers against Brighton was the best goal of the weekend just because you only score that on FIFA you don't score yeah. that in real life. To take it a touch and then volley it into the bottom corner from outside the box. And, uh, and look, no fault for Pickford on that one. He couldn't do anything. Uh, really. I think, yeah. Quality goal, great finish. That, that's my goal of the weekend. My best game of the weekend, it's obviously not Tottenham Man United. Fuck <laughs> that. Best game of the weekend, obviously it's, it's Villa, Liverpool. It has to be. Because like, it's, no. it's, it's the only saving grace I have from the weekend. <laughs> so it has to be Ian. Yeah, like obviously my favorite game is the Spurs game, but I loved the Villa Liverpool game. It was just so good to see Villa at that level and just finishing off. So yeah, I mean that was just my bright spot. It's just watching you and Richard just cry over message was just yeah, it's uh, it's it's not a pleasant time. No, yeah, we've me. all been there. MVP for me has to be Ollie Watkins. I was going to say the same thing, like, Patrick. Just... His second goal. His second goal yeah. could have been the best goal for me as well. It was class. It was good. individual top corner curler. Slept as he did it. Absolutely mm. incredible. One to forget is Manchester United. Um, for sure, Harry Maguire, Manchester United. Simple as that. Yeah, I guess I haven't really got one to forget for me. I guess it's just the game that did nothing. It's kind of Wolves Fulham. I just don't think either of those two teams is that entertaining. I think Wolves look like in this weird transitional phase. They yeah, just, we, we, I think we said the same thing last week, didn't we? They just look like they're just... Thin squad. Back. 
they've been figured out, struggling to score, can't get any yeah. real momentum going. And I think Southampton are plodding along like we expected them to yeah, do now. Yeah, okay. You know, they're, they're, they're getting the results and, that, and that's all that really matters. Yeah. Somehow we failed to mention the Arsenal-Sheffield uh, game. Uh, it sounds like we're, we're snubbing. I will say, by the way, <laughs> that um, Pepe's goal for Arsenal was class. Yeah. Which is nice to see him actually live up to some of that price tag. And McGoldrick's goal for Sheffield United at the death was lush as well. Uh, Arsenal look very solid. Again, they don't look amazing, but they're, get, they're no. grinding out the results. That's it. 2-1. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. They get those three points. You know, Arsenal uh, are definitely in contention for top four. Right now, on the first three games, I would say Everton, Arsenal, Liverpool and Chelsea are probably going to be the top four, in my, in my opinion, right now. Mm. We, we, we'll see it, it's going to be tight it's, I think it's, there's yeah, going to be sure. like a real cluster at the top so let's transition from that over to transfers because we can talk about how the top four looks because of how clubs have decided to spend sure. we, won't, we won't spend too long because there wasn't really much done in the dying no, of the, yeah in the dying embers of the transfer window unless your name is Manchester United and you don't know what planning is <laughs> There was, well, first we'll speak about Arsenal. They decided to get rid of uh, pursuit of Awa. They were like, no, I'm not doing that. But they did pay the release course for Thomas Party on deadline day, which is what a top, a top six, top four club should be doing. If they had a priority signing that they couldn't get, they push it through on the last day of the window to show intent. Arsenal sent out a, a news blast, a news flash to all its players, supporters, owners. We want to do well. We will pay forty-two million for Thomas Party, and it's a good addition because I think where Arsenal are lacking from watching the Sheffield game is in the middle of the park. Granite Xhaka mm. is not good enough to play DM, but I tell you what, Thomas Party definitely is. So if they can get a, a general in the middle who can hold that uh, that midfield together, it's a good buy. That's a great bit of business, in my sure. in my opinion. The only other thing is Ben Godfrey joined Everton, and we spoke about. Everton's defensive frailty and they went into the market they strengthened they bought Ben Godfrey's for 26 million as we said I think that's going to be really good for them at the back they need that's the one area I think they desperately needed to improve I think they could obviously improve with a right winger as well mm-hmm. but good bit of business cheap business English talent proven in the Premier League I know they got relegated but he was the bright spark amongst their back four yeah. him and Jamal Lewis and both of them have gone Manchester United <laughs> That wind up, I like it. The wind up. Let's get let's get into it. Come on, what have you done? Yeah. Honestly, everything everything we spoke about week zero, I, it's disappeared. I don't know what Cavani appeared like two days ago. Became the big talking point. Listen, what's that stew where you throw everything in? <laughs> you know, it's like a big stew that people make where they, yeah, throw, they throw every box. It's like a leftover stew, right? That's what United have done. Yeah. The issue was they didn't understand how much they weren't going to like the impact of COVID. Not that anyone mm. cares. After the transfer window, United briefed that the reason they didn't buy Jane Sancho was because of COVID. Lies. Garbage lies. They just wanted to make sure that they had their dividends, their bonuses. Money was still coming into their wallets and pockets, whatever. Mm. But that's the PR spin they've gone for. Oli Gunn and Solskjaer at the start of this window said that he wanted a right winger and a centre-back. He didn't get either of those things. Or, well, he did get one of them, but one of them isn't good enough. United didn't back the manager. They, I don't know what they were doing with Jane Sancho. If they knew they weren't going to pay it, they should have told United fans that over a month ago. Because at yeah. least they would have got some positivity going around the club. I think this combined with the result 
is incredibly toxic for United and their fan base. I think they brought in someone in January to start spinning positive PR for United because it was such a a negative outlook on the club. You failed. Fire that guy. Fire that team. Fire that woman. Whoever it is, they have not done a good job. I think ultimately this transfer window highlights that the managers and Mourinho said this in the past, Louis van Gaal said it in the past, and I'm sure Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will say it after he gets sacked because I do believe he will be sacked. You, you don't pick the players you get. Ed Woodward and the ball pick yeah. the players you get. Edison Cavani would have been a great signing six years ago. Not now. Six years Th- ago. 33 and a half. Been a free agent for six months. Yeah, One, I guess the only thing is everyone's thrown it out as a Zlatan, aren't they? That's the only comparison they can make. And I can I can put a very clean argument back to anyone who uses the Zlatan <laughs> comparison. They played in the same G, uh, team at PSG. Yeah. They benched Cavani at PSG. Oh, Zlatan. So if Zatan can bench Cavani, what makes you think he's going to come and do the same thing? Exactly. Madness. Look, I don't want to disrespect Edison Cavani. In his prime, he was class. He was a top striker. He did it at a top level Champions League, World Cup. He won't be able to do it. <laughs> he mm. might do it against sm- uh, the, the, the smaller sides in the Premier League. And yeah, he's a more traditional archetype of a striker than, say, Martial is. Yeah. But his first three games for United are potentially going to be Newcastle, Arsenal and Chelsea, good luck <laughs> with your tired legs against their fast back uh, back lines. You're, you're in you're in big trouble. Yeah, it's just, I guess you're just gonna have to make him a target man and just hit everything at him. It reeks of panic buy. Yeah, it, it reeks of a panic buy. That's all it reeks, and it was a panic buy because they realised we can't get Sancho, we can't get Osama Dembele, which they were still trying to push over the line on deadline day. So we're going to give Cavani, we're going to get Cavani, and not only that, we're going to give him the number seven, which is a travesty. That is a disgusting, <laughs> disgusting thing. Yeah, um... number seven is an iconic shirt, United. And yeah, some flops have worn it in the past, but Cristiano Ronaldo's worn it, Beckham's worn it. You don't give it to a past it Cavani who's using WD-40 to wind up his bloody legs it's ridiculous now we got Cavani in fine whatever the only good signings of the window there's two good signings and the rest of the signings are trash and not trash because the players don't have potential but because the foresight the planning and the, the relevance to the current team are just awful yeah Alex Tellez is a great bit of business he's one of the top left backs in the world Eight, uh, 15 million euros because he's on his contract. He'll be class. The problem is, the left side sorted now, but the two centre-backs are still <laughs> the problem. So he's probably going to get frustrated. Donny van der Beek already looks frustrated and he's been a good bit of business because he can't break into the first team, even though... I don't know. I don't know what Donny would have to do to break into the first team. I think yeah. Pogba could assault Solskjaer's wife and he'd still be like, yeah, you're in the starting eleven. I think that, that's how damning I think it is at United. Now, United needed a right winger, realised they couldn't get Sancho, tried all of deadline day to get Usama Dembele, who just was like, I'm not coming. Yeah. Barcelona wanted to sell him, we wanted to loan him, we agreed to pay a loan fee, then he was like, I don't want to come. What a waste of 10 hours of my life that was watching transfer updates. (laughs) So, United's solution to not getting Jadon Sancho was to buy an 18-year-old Uruguayan called Palestri, Right, makes sense. Unproven, seven million. Now you think that sort of purchase would be one for the future, but United are saying it's for the first team. He scored one goal in thirty appearances at senior level. No, I just want to speak to your scouts. I want to see what they're saying. It's mental. That's mental. 
Wise one is that in a couple of weeks' time you're cheering his name. That's what I want to see. I doubt it. I, he won't start. <laughs> Ollie won't start him. That's the problem. We'll end up yeah. playing Mason Greenwood out of position and and squander and hinder his development because we're missing a right a right mid when he's a centre forward. That that's going to be the real the yeah. real shame about this whole transfer window is Mason Greenwood is going to play. Yeah, he'll play forty games. United as, as a right winger. He's not a right winger. United also did a class bit of what they think is class business on deadline day. I don't know if you've seen this one. No, what's this one? So they bought another 18-year-old right winger called okay. Admad Traore, which is very similar to Adama. You just have to move some letters uh-huh. around. <laughs> From Atalanta. They wouldn't spend $120 million on Jane Sancho. How much do you think they bought this 18-year-old that's played three appearances? Oh, please. Before? He's played three appearances, scored one goal. That's not bad. Okay, are we talking, what, dollars, euros, pounds? Euros, right? So they wouldn't pay 120 million euros for Jane Sancho. How much do you think they played for someone who's played three competitive games, scored one goal, who plays on the right wing in Italy? Like, I feel like saying something like 20 million is ridiculous, but I also feel like I'm way off the mark. 25 million euros up front with 15 million in add-ons. Look, I just wish the people could see my face literally pinching the bridge of my nose at this tube. I, like, I really hope it works out. I hope they're saying that. But I don't understand that kind of... This just looks dumb on your club saying, oh, we're not going to pay this amount. And then, look, we've got this guy. We think he's going to be amazing. You're already paying out the arse for him. I wish the viewers could see my face because it's, <laughs> it's so wasteful. It's so stupid. Yeah. It's so panicky. It's they didn't buy a right winger. We desperately needed a right winger. So they bought this young, unproven, highly thought of and highly rated potential starlet. Yeah. But they whacked him with a huge price tag, which he's never going to live up to. He's going to come to the Premier League where the English press are going to tear him apart whenever he does anything wrong or anything mediocre yeah. or even anything average. I bet you see both those players go on loan next season. For sure. And you, and Oli will be out of a job. Pochettino or whoever will come in and United will spend big in January because it looks like they're going to be in big trouble for placement. And suddenly, here we are. Yeah, unfortunately, it's, it is very frustrating. Um, I mean, if, if they're the buyers you're making, that's when you want Poch to come in because we know what he does with the youth squad. So maybe, well, I, I would are agree. they gearing? I would agree with that 100%. I think they are gearing. I think uh, the most damning thing is on deadline day after all business was done that certain United mouthpieces were starting to talk about Oli being under pressure, Pochettino waiting in the wings. I think it's definitely something Man United are considering. And it's disheartening because there's a real... I loved Sir Alex. And I think obviously yeah. every United fan loves Sir Alex. But And I think Arsenal fans could find a, a similar resonance or... Of course. relatability with Wenger and you want it to work out long term you want someone to be there for a long time to be a proven winner but in today's game the lifespan of a manager is so minute so irrelevant it's a couple of years and they move on and I think you know yeah we might get Poch in and yeah he might do well and make us play some nice football but then he'll get sacked yeah because they won't back him and we'll rinse and repeat you know, he'll get us Champions League football and then they'll go, oh, we've got Champions League football, we don't need to spend. And we're back to where we started. I think that's, uh, that's the problem with Transfers United eth- uh, ethos. And until you get the Glazers out and Woodbirds out at the top of the United chain, nothing will change because they think they know football better than footballers. And that's the most absurd sentence I've ever thought I'd say. 
So um, pain, pain, pain against the dying of the light. Yeah. But anyone, anyone else make some decent transfers? That was really it in terms of deadline day. Okay. As we that, said, that is a quiet deadline day. It was, a, it was a very quiet deadline day. Obviously, keep in mind that the championship, Premier League teams can still buy from the championship until next Friday. Indeed. So we might see some teams that didn't strengthen in the areas they wanted go to the championship and buy them. I wouldn't be For surprised sure. if Man United cave and buy Ishmael Saar. Mm. You know, to play on the right wing. I would not be surprised if that happened at all. <laughs> what a waste of money that would be. Not because he's bad, but because you said you couldn't pay 120 million for Sancho, but then you spend 90 million collectively. <laughs> across three players. Across three players. It's a joke. None, who are, none who are proven at a top level. Just, just yeah. United baller <laughs> moves. The only other honourable mention was that Mr. Theo of the Walcott returned to his childhood club, Southampton, on loan for a season. Oh, very nice, very nice. And he said he was going to get—he was getting quite emotional about it, and he was going to cry. I didn't see any tears in his actual eyes, but I—I I, I felt it in his his wavering voice. But nevertheless, we'll move on from this bleak, deflated Harley. Hey man, yeah, I was going to say it's only your side. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm quite elated. You're on top of the world, eh? You're on top of the world, eh? We will move on to another man who is on top of the world right now, and that's James Rodriguez. The transition I mean, dreams. I, you've been waiting for this one. You've been backing him since week zero. I have been backing him from, from week zero. Hammers of Rodriguez is, is a bit of an interesting character, actually. Um, mainly because I started to despise him at the World Cup when it looked like Colombia was going to beat us because he was sitting in the stands and being so like... Because he was injured, but then obviously we won, so I forgave him for his trespasses. Rodriguez. What... I didn't realise he was this old, but I guess you forget, don't you, how much time passes between World Cups? Yeah. Because this man became, I wouldn't say a household name. Well, yeah, maybe a household name across Europe after the 2014 World Cup. We'll start right at the very beginning. He was a, chapter one is the Colombian wonder. And that's what he was. <laughs> he played for, and forgive my pronunciation on this, Invigado. In Colombia, he started there in 2006. And he, he, 30 appearances and nine goals. There's not, I can't comment too much on what that means in terms of ability. He was highly touted as a youth. He was prolifically known for playing as an attacking midfielder and a winger. Although in recent years, James Rodriguez has definitely lost the pace that is required to play a winger in the modern game, in my opinion. After Invigado... He moved, he stayed inside South America and he moved to Banfield in Argentina where he made 42 appearances and scored five goals for them. So if anything, that was in two seasons and he regressed slightly. Mm. (laughs) I've rushed over those parts just because I don't know enough about South American leagues to really comment on his ability. He was highly rated and he did well at, an, at the under 20 level for Colombia. Uh, when he played for the under 17s, he made 11 appearances and scored three goals. And then when he was at the under 20s, he, he made five appearances and scored three goals. He was actually very quickly, because he was so highly rated, very quickly rushed into the first team. After he made those five appearances, he then has consistently been a first team player for Colombia since then. So if anything, that's just reflective of his ability. So, as most South Americans dream of, well, South American aspiring footballers, I guess, (laughs) he moved on to chapter three of his career, 
which was any Porto in a storm. Sorry, I had to do it, Ian. I couldn't resist. I do, I do live for the puns, I'll be honest. Getting to read your notes, I'm like, man, he's, he's put effort into this. I appreciate it every single time. I try. I try, listeners. Yeah. I'm sorry. And then we seemingly just go off book every single time. Oh, of course. <laughs> now, James Rodriguez was often referred to as the, the successor to his compatriot, Carlos uh, Valderrama, who was like a prolific player. And on the back of that, mm. Porto bought him. He had a lot of success at Porto. He won the Portuguese Championship a couple of times. He won the Portuguese Cup a couple of times. Very prolific. 63 appearances and 25 goals. This is where the rest of Europe suddenly started to think, oh, you, uh, James Rodriguez, yeah. not a bad player. <laughs> he was at Porto for three years. And then he moved on to AS Monaco, where he was only there. He was part of like, do you remember that season that Monaco had where they had like this huge influx of young talent and they all got bought at the end of the season? I think they, I think they won or the following season they won League Yeah, there was some sort of like crazy fire sale that they had at the end of the And they sold, they sold like Bakayoko, they sold like Martial, they sold James Rodriguez mental so he started playing at the champions in the champions league and he did very well here but all of that build up there led him to where he showcased himself the most and where most listeners will probably know james rodriguez from the 2014 world cup this just i remember (laughs) his goal he he won the goal of tournament and also james rodriguez won the golden boot at this with six goals and three assists in five games he was, he was a golden boot player, winner that went out at the quarterfinal. That's how prolific he was at the World Cup. And he scored an outrageous outside-the-box volley against Uruguay. Yeah. Just stunning. Touched it down <laughs> on his chest. First time, top corner. Chaos. Now, James had the profile lift that any success at a World Cup gets you. Kalor Navas had it. Yeah. Navas had it. Ochoa when he did well for Mexico had it the World Cup is obviously it's kind of like a a car boot sale for football players (laughs) where you go oh by the way this is your showcase show the rest of the world why they should pay an offensive amount of money for you and Real Madrid went we should pay an offensive amount of money for James Rodriguez which they did they paid 63 million euros for him now that then made him the most expensive Colombian footballer of all time surpassing uh, Ramadel Falcao who again was at Monaco and part of that Monaco crazy year but I think he's still plays for Monaco actually uh, Falcao or maybe he's moved on now his dream move he caught the eye rather James Rodriguez at the World Cup of his current manager and you'll see a trend in the rest of his career (laughs) here uh, listeners of Carlos Ancelotti who uh, brought him to La Liga. Now, they had a couple of good years at Real Madrid. In total, he's been, he's been at Real Madrid for six years, but for two of those years, he didn't even play for Real Madrid. He was online. So after Ancelotti left, things started to go south. But initially, when he first joined, he was named in the Liga team this season and he won La Liga best midfielder. So it was the dream start. You come in, you forget the price tag. The price tag means nothing to you. You start doing bits. But... As we know with the Gareth Bale situation, Ian, and so <laughs> forth, that if you make even one mistake that the Real Madrid fans don't like, they will turn on you. For sure. They will suddenly go, you're not in favour anymore. We're not going to cheer for you every week. When Ancelotti left and Zidane came in, 
he again suffered from the the cut of the jib thing. You know, it, they just didn't like the cut of his jib anymore. His numbers yeah. are pretty good from midfield at Real Madrid. He scored. 29 goals and 85 appearances. And it's hard to believe that in six seasons, he only made 85 appearances off the back of winning, being part of the Liga team a season and winning La Liga best midfielder and being a golden boot winner. Don't you think, that's, don't you think that's crazy? But again, that just goes to show how everyone views Real. Like they're just massive. If you can bench someone like that week in, week out. I know. I suppose it's because we're... Team we're sort of impoverished when it comes to having that quality of depth on the bench, mm. but he, no way they bought him for 63 million euros intending for him to stay on the bench. I don't see that. Yeah. But they're a bit like the collector, aren't they? They just like having the good things. They do the city, the hoarding, but yeah, yeah. Look, financial fair play was for, in full effect by then. And, and that's what it was brought to stop. But as we know, Real Madrid, Barcelona have that law with a lot of footballers. They all want to go there. They all want to go play in the mm-hmm. league and be like their icons. And James Rodriguez did that. However, Luckily, I guess age was on his side because he saw the opportunity to go to like this weird through this weird symbiotic relationship that Real Madrid see Spanish teams seem to have with Bayern Munich. Yeah. So obviously, in recent years, we've seen Coutinho go on loan to Bayern Munich and then score against his parent club in the Champions League and go on to win the Champions League yeah. and then go back to his club and it's all a little bit awkward. <laughs> Ancelotti was sacked at Real and went to Bayern Munich and had some success there as well. And because, you know, I don't want to say it was grooming, but because of their special relationship, because of the blaring and Washington dynamic that James and uh, Ancelotti had, he lo- they agreed to loan James to Bayern Munich for two years. Yeah. Uh, he was okay in, in the Bundesliga. He scored 14 goals in 43 appearances. He was just coming into his prime, but we've got to remember that he was also being benched quite a lot, not playing a lot. Uh, they had success there. They won the Bundesliga twice in that time. And Hamas was part of that. And then he went back to Real for a whole season. And I think he played like four games, which was mental. They benched him again straight away. Ancelotti moved on from Bayern Munich, as we know, because he got fired again. But... Whenever he goes somewhere, he at least he initially gets that yeah. little that little win. You know, he gets a medal, and that's what they buy him for. And obviously, we're all shocked when Ancelotti took over Everton. But again, when people ask the question of how did Hamas Rodriguez end up at, at Everton, yeah. the simple answer is Carlos Ancelotti. Because without Ancelotti there, there's no way Hamas Rodriguez goes. Ancelotti would have said to Rodriguez, "We're going to get these players in." This is the ambition. Next year, we're going to try and get those players in. You're part of that. You're going to be the main man. I think it's very clear from watching Everton play this season that James Rodriguez is the main man, right? Oh, he, he's, he's, everything goes through them. He's, him, he's their star player. He scored two. He sets them up. It's all, the, the team is built around James Rodriguez now. Yeah, but what I find funny is it's kind of like there's Everton, then there's Rodriguez. So Everton players this solid unit, then Rodriguez gets on the ball and they just fall in line and they follow and they go where he goes. They place that. As soon as he's off it, they go, they slam back on the brakes, they go solid. But as soon as he's on it, it becomes liquid. And that's just how yeah, he's play. the playmaker. That's what he's been brought in for. He's going to be the star yeah. man. He's going to be the conduit. He's going to be the catalyst. The, the question that I ask on the back of that is what's Everton going to do when James Rodriguez gets injured? I would like to see what they would do if he gets injured. Sure. But his numbers so far, as, as small and minute as they are in the <laughs> Premier League, are excellent. 
he's got two assists and three goals in four appearances for Everton, which is ridiculous <laughs> numbers. But remember, it's early doors. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Although, yeah, he, might, he might go on and be player of the season. We don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, it's all to play for. And like, obviously, yeah, we're keeping an eye on him. I think he's going to, you've been saying it since day one, like he's looking good. And I think he is. And he's completely changed that Everton side. I think looking back over his career or like what you fleshed out to us, it's very clear, like when he plays, he plays and he changes those teams and he does well. He doesn't get all the goals. You know, he gets, he gets a fair amount. Like he's not, he's not shy in front of goal. But clearly, he just brings something to a team. And I feel like that is what Everton are leaning into. Like, just getting him on the ball, letting him have that energy, letting him burst forwards. Yeah, I think he's... I just think some players, when you say they're past it, either react to that and defy it or accept it. And James Rodriguez is, in a way, a bit of a journeyman player, even though he's only 29, because... He's had the highs at Real Madrid and he's had the Mm. lows. He's had the highs at Bayern Munich and he's had the lows. He's had the highs at Everton. Hopefully (laughs) he doesn't have any lows. Yeah. But he is a player that's always bounced back. I think that's very evident in his career. What's amazing to me is apparently they paid no fee for James Rodriguez Everton. That Real was so okay with him going that they let him go on a free. So interesting. At 29, in his prime. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> what the what the hell? That's that's class business. By yeah. if, if that's true, which everyone's saying it is because of the lawyers involved with it saying it's true, he went on a free. Man, now, everyone needs to get Everton's lawyers. I know. We'll briefly sort of talk about his Colombian international sort of yeah. career. He's he's never won anything with Colombia. He's only done well for Colombia, if you know what I mean. He's always been the flash in the pan inside the Colombian mm. side. He's played at two World Cups, 2014 and 2018. And sorry, James, we knocked you out of the 2018 World Cup. So sorry. Yeah, what game that was? That was that was actually, that was shit train train Yeah, that was a train. You know what? I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad he was injured because I think he could have been a game changer. He 100. percent He would have got that into a normal sort of game. I don't know what that was. He's played at four Copper Americas and he's only ever placed third at them. His numbers mm. for Columbia are okay. He's made 76 appearances in nine years and scored 22 goals. Six of those coming at a World Cup. So I guess the system, benefit he benefited from the zeal of being a young, something to prove, hungry. Yeah. Kid. And, you know, Columbia aren't a bad side, but they don't have strength in every single area. So I can see where that could be an issue. I think what I, I wanted to look up some anecdotes like I did for Jamie Vardy or, you know, like interesting facts about him. I couldn't really find yeah. out much about Hamas Rodriguez, but there was one thing. Uh, maybe it's a bittersweet, sad thing is that in 2019, even though he spent two years in Bayern Munich and six years at Real on the bench, he applied and was granted Spanish citizenship in Real. So clearly he was intending to right. stay at Real. He yeah. wanted to stay there. And the club didn't want him to stay. And I just thought it was funny that one year before he's made his big move to England, he's actually been granted Spanish (laughs) citizenship. But then I was thinking, well, hang on, does that entitle him to work in the UK? Does that help with work permits anyway? And because he stayed there, maybe he applied for that. I don't know. 
but Coming other than that, kind of thing, yeah. listen, he's got a wand of a left foot. We all know that. He can set them up. He can score them, which is like my catchphrase on this. But it, it, it's true. Mm. He's, he's a quality player. And at the moment, he's defying expectations in the Premier League. It's just, it's just such smooth football. Like you, when you're watching Everton, you know when he's on the ball, even if you can't really make anything out. Because it's just a change. There's a smoothness, the way the ball floats. Like he just looks, yeah. Like it's, just, it's just liquid football. And yeah, he, at the moment... He's the playmaker. He's the dream. The, the system's built around him. And I, I imagine we're going to see him flourish in the weeks to come. I'd love to see him score against Liverpool. But, oh, but he's a talent. He, people told him he was past it. I think he's going to prove him wrong. Yeah, and, yeah we're trying to refine the showcase so it's a little bit more informative rather than tangency, I think. I think, you know, obviously mm. with certain players, we're going to be more knowledgeable on certain players by default. If they're an English player like Jamie Vardy, we're probably going to know more about him. You know, we could yeah. have done, I was nearly going to do a Harry Kane brace showcase today because he did score one. However, because we'd just done a Spurs player two weeks ago, I thought, let's do an Everton Plus, player. Plus, we'd just done, just done Vardy as well. Exactly, we just done Vardy. And it's, it's nice to showcase talent from all across the world rather than just, oh, we're Brexit FC, let's, I mean, let's yeah. get Tammy Abraham in here next week and then the following week we do Callum Hudson-Odoi, so on and so forth. Yeah, But I mean, it's like you said when we set out with this uh, podcast is, you know, we're figuring it out and look, we've got an international break come up, coming up, so we're going to have to figure that one out as well. So Yeah, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> Bear with us, listeners. We're, we're getting around to it as long as we're getting some enjoyment. Like, we'll just keep going. Listen, James Rodriguez, one to watch. Simple as Definitely that. Definitely agree. Good, good, good footballing story. This is the first time I say not a great footballing story. Good player, solid career, mm. could do more. Hope he does more at Everton. I mean, yeah, but it's still more filmable than Fardy's, you know, getting out of South America, coming to Europe, all that. Hey, listen, of, come from an impoverished there. background, you yeah. know, making money, coming to Europe, fulfilling your dream, incredible. But listen, Vardy's is the working class lad streaming in England. It's it's all relative. It's all perspective. Exactly. Every, every story is great to someone, and I hope James proves to be great. Well, I mean, it's exactly. It's part of the reason so many of us connect with football, though, isn't it? You know, it's the it's the everyman sport. That's what we're here for. Oh, one hundred percent. Head to head results, right? Ian went two one. Uh, uh, went three two. Crystal Palace, like a fool. No, I had some belief in Palace, okay? I had the belief and they proved me wrong. Look, they didn't have the belief in themselves. That's all I know. There was one person in the country who had it. (laughs) It wasn't Roy Hodgson. (laughs) Um, Chelsea, I I went 2-1. Chelsea, look, I believed that that Crystal Palace would would put up a fight, but they didn't. Everton-Brighton, Ian went 2-0 Everton. So he was right. I went 3-1. So I was so close, but not close enough. So close. Which, after those two games, leaves a 2-1 to me. Sure. Leeds versus Man City. We were both confident that Man City were going to win, and they didn't. Egg in, egg in our face. We're in the mud. Stupid. Every single time we go for they definitely win. They never do. Yeah. With a curse. Newcastle Burnley. Yeah. Listeners, if you want to gamble on football, whatever <laughs> we say, take it with a pinch of salt and go the opposite way, because I guarantee it will be right. Uh, Newcastle Burnley. Ian went 2-0. Uh, I went 1-1, one, one. so oh, Ian, wins that. That. Ian wins on that occasion. Leicester City, I think you said something about 2-2, two, because two, I've written 2-2 two, two next to it. Yeah. But I went 3-0. Oh. Leicester. <laughs> 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 but it was the other way. <laughs> and you went 3-1. Oh, 
That is literally do the opposite of what we say that, right there. It. You just said it. Yeah. West Ham, if they're expected to lose, will win. And yeah, if they're expected win. to win, they'll lose. Southampton versus West Brom. Uh, Ian went 1-1. Idiot. Move. Mm. I went 3-1. <laughs> Let's go. That's 3-2 to me after those. Oh, okay, because you're all of a sudden a genius. You better 3-0 list, are you, idiot? Yeah, I but listen, at the end of the day, it. all that matters is who got the most points right. Now, yeah, okay, okay. Arsenal versus Sheffield. I went 4-0, believing Arsenal would be clinical as hell. Jeez. I was but I was right on the result. That's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, you went... 1-0, so you were quite close, and you were right in the result, which leaves us at 4-3 in total scores. Wolves versus Fulham, you went 2-2, ye yeah. of little faith. I went 3-1. Yeah, you were big faith. The Wolves. I was, look, faith was rewarded. It, it might have been very, very close, but it was rewarded nevertheless. Sure, sure. 3-5 to me, and then... Manchester United versus Spurs. <laughs> I went 2-1. <two>, <laughs> oh, yeah. How about that? <laughs> and you went 3-1 Spurs. Fuck you, Ian. Yeah. Oh, you haven't said what happened in that game? It was 6-1. Everyone knows oh, that. Don't make, don't make me say it again. Please. So that's 5-4. That's and then we both yeah. thought Liverpool would definitely oh, be Aston <laughs> And uh, does we were grossly let down. So... I think anyone who puts 7-2 Aston Villa just deserves everything in the if world. If anyone guessed that result, please give me the lottery numbers for tomorrow. Because Jesus. that's mental. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it when it was happening. I showed my partner as well. She was like, what? I was like, yeah. So where, where does that put us in the, uh, the grass? So that's 5-4 to me this week. Woo! Get in. Oh, I almost scored as many as Tottenham. Wins the Fantasy League week wins the head-to-head results loses the actual match i'd definitely rather have it the <laughs> other way so that's three one to me overall for the first three ga- uh, first four game weeks so now we move on to game week five a couple, couple of good games coming up i've got 92 overall in fantasy league Whew. all right calm down calm no, down don't your three, just tell me where your three points are and i'll start listening shut the fuck up they'll come <laughs> please <laughs> please ollie right head-to-heads First, and you can go first on this, Ian, because I'm cruel, is Everton versus Liverpool. Enjoy that, baby boy. Everton. That is a great start to a Saturday. I know. I can't wait for that Saturday. I'm 3-1 Everton. 3-1 Everton. I'm going to go 2-2. Okay. Just because I think there's so much hype. A lot of people think Everton are going to win. Liverpool are probably going to dig in. Historically, the Merseyside derby has always ended to be up to be a draw or 1-0 here or there. Yeah, but it, would think... be, it would be chaos if Everton won, and I would love it, yeah. but I just don't see it. I just, I don't know. I just think if, I think the thing is, is if Everton, if Liverpool break, then Everton are going to go for it. And I think that's why we're going to get a bit of a high-scoring game. It could, I, I, I completely agree. It, look, it depends who can play. If Mane's fit, yep. if anyone else gets COVID, we don't know. I think Especially over the international break. Exactly. When you're travelling abroad, you're more likely to get it, right? So exactly. who knows? Right, second game of the weekend is Chelsea versus Southampton. What are you thinking? I think it's just going to be Chelsea are going to start kicking on from that result. Yeah. I think it's going to be like 3-0 Chelsea. I think mm-hmm. they're looking good. Ziyech, maybe Southampton get one, but I'm happy to bet that they don't. I'm going to go 2-0. 2-0 Chelsea. 2-0 Chelsea. You prices righted me. You mother trucker. 
Yeah, but they're probably going to score four like they did last week. Yeah, I know. Look, I'm happy I just got one correct score somewhere so far. <laughs> I have to take every victory I can this year. <laughs> right, Leicester versus Aston Villa. Tough now in the light oh, of Aston yeah, Villa's that's, performance. That's, and, in prior, I say, mm. Villa. Now I'm like, who knows? This could be like 3-3. Three, three. It could be like... I'm, I'm going to go 4-3 Leicester. 4-3 Leicester. Wow, that is a big call. If the game is 4-3, that'd be bloody great. That'd be fantastic. I'm going to go 2-1 Leicester. Okay, okay. But, no, I think Leicester need to bounce back. I think Villa will probably start riding a little bit too high, do the Icarus, get a bit too close to the side, yeah. and then get, get beaten. See, but the, that's what I would expect from like last season if they came together in this situation. But in this goal-scoring season, I think we just got to double everything. Newcastle, Manchester United. Now, I have to back United regardless. So, said, go on, what are you saying? What are you saying? Well, no, you, you go first. So you tell me, and then I'll, then I'll put my unrealistic, optimistic result. I'm going to go 2-1 Newcastle. Fucking hell. If he loses that game, Ian, he will be sacked, in my opinion. 100%. 100%. I'm going to go 3 1 United. Wow. You think with, you can put three goals in? With a Cavani brace. <laughs> Listen, the less said about that game, the better. I don't think that's sure. going to happen. I'm back in United, <laughs> but I think we're in big, big trouble. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Uh, Sheffield United, Fulham. Oof. Boring game. What are you thinking? I'm thinking, look, Sheffield finally looked like they were going to show some fight last weekend. Yeah, they yeah. lost to Arsenal 2-1, so what? They should probably be losing to Arsenal. But they scored, they stayed in the game, they largely nullified Arsenal apart from their two goals and mm-hmm. kept them out for 60 minutes. I think this could be like a draw, maybe like a 2-2. I'm going to go 1-0 Sheffield. Yeah, I could see it being like that, like a 1-0, a mm. very championship sort of dig in. West Brom yeah. versus Burnley. Like we were bigging up West Brom a couple of weeks ago, and now they're kind of just flat. Uh, yeah, but I, I just don't see that there's many draws this season. I think there's always going to be someone edging out the other. So I'm just going to go two-one um, West Brom. Two-one West Brom. Yeah, I'll go one-nil Burnley because they're they're one okay. nil. They're, they're the masters of the the one-nil shit house. Yeah, just brace it. Just get it in. Dig in deep. Yeah, sure. We haven't seen them do it this, this season so far, but they didn't start last season doing that. They started doing it towards mm. the tail end of the season. And Daesh is very good at um, nullifying a team once he gets ahead. I Didn't they? They even gave City a run for their money last season at one point. Wow, yeah. this is another great game. We've got Manchester City yeah. versus Arsenal. That Saturday's great. Mm, this is tough. Arteta That's versus really Pep. tough. The Apprentice versus the Master. And as we all know... City trying to bounce back. Arsenal riding high. Hmm. I think a draw. Is yeah. Weird. I think maybe something like... No, actually no. I think Arsenal are going to win 2-1. Oh, no, you've got to stolen mine. But I don't see either one really scoring much. You know what? I'm going to go 2-2. 2-2, yeah, see, yeah. I thought it might be 2-2. You stole my answer regardless. <laughs> so uh, much for free thinking. Now, Crystal Palace, Brighton. Even though Brighton Ooh. lost against Everton, I think Brighton look still... I still think Brighton look quite good. I think Brighton look good. Palace have lost it. The classic Brighton, uh, you know... But Brighton Palace are not it. very good away from home. Yeah, the birds are fighting it out. But, as we've said, there is no home advantage. I'm going to go Brighton 3-1. I think this could be a draw. I think I'm going to go 1-1. Yeah, I'm going to go 
London Derby time. Ooh. Will the hammers hammer you, or will you hammer them? <laughs> no, I think you're gonna. I think this is gonna be something like three-two Tottenham. I think it's gonna be yeah. very. I think whenever you play West Ham, it's always a dangerous game. Mm. You either absolutely spank them, or it's it's a very contentious. So I think sure. I think you're scoring lots. I think West Ham are scoring lots. I think there's going to be goals as simple as that. But I think ultimately you will get the win. Well, if you're going three two, I reckon four two. Spurs. You mother. Spurs. I think we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. That's me. Oh, definitely. I, I think. I think you could spank them like five 0 It just depends yeah. wow. if West Ham do their classic. They should lose this game, so they'll probably win this game. You just Indeed. don't know. And then a very. I would have. I would. This. This is a game I would have been really excited for if Wolves were on form. But because yeah. Wolves, in my opinion, are very lackluster at the moment and very lethargic, I think Leeds are just going to beat them. But yeah, but I think this is going to prove what I was kind of saying earlier about Leeds. Are like, are they going to look at that game? Are they going to figure it out? Or are we just going to learn that Wolves are just going to keep trucking along and just stealing points here and there and everywhere? It could be a draw. It's going to be nice football either way, in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm thinking... Is it going to be nice football? I think this is more Leeds versus Fulham territory myself. Well, that will be nice football, at least on a yeah. goal scoring standpoint. <laughs> If there's that many goals, I'm happy. I don't care For about sure. the quality of football at that point. So you, you get to go first on this, Ian. What do you think it's going to be? I think I don't think it's going to be as exciting as we think. 2-1 leads. I'm going to go 3-3. I think it is going to be right. exciting. It's weird that I said 2-1 is not an exciting game. Like last season, that had been great. But this season, 2-1, 3-3, that doesn't seem like many goals. No, I suppose. It could be 6-6. But... Yeah. This season's open to anything. The day that happens, I will be shook if it's 6-6 <laughs> in the Premier League. I know we've had 4-4. I think 5-5 five, five, I've seen. Man United West Brom uh, and Sir Alex's last game was 5-5. Five, five. It's never say never, but indeed. look, yeah. I, think it, I think it's going to be a good weekend of football in two weeks' time. This Premier League could be crazy. I think it could be a wild roller coaster ride. And we're, at the, we're just coming up at the first drop. Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're going to see where the pieces land when we get to the bottom, I guess, because it, it, it's mental. Look, listeners, I'm just going to be honest. Harley's basically made me step up to the penalty here and I have to do the outro. My first one, so hopefully I won't let you down. Hopefully I ain't skying it. I'm not pulling out a classic England penalty here. Let's go, let's go. Right, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you guys. As we've said, next week we're going to be figuring out how the format lands, but hopefully you'll stick around and we can still entertain you. Thank you for listening. We love hearing from you guys if you want to reach out please do so you can find us on instagram at brace yourselves but as always take care and we'll speak soon peace big love and peace thank you very much see you next time people